Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. I can say to you with pride, yes, I have been divorced, because it is only from our failures that we gain knowledge. Consequently, I was able to make a much better choice of a second wife. Perhaps my vision was clearer for the tears that I had shed. You are the wisest man I know. <laughs> High praise indeed. Well, now... You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me this time to discuss a much-beloved episode of Cheers, a guest from across the pond, Mr. Tom Clements. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show, Ryan. Um, it's a brilliant episode, and I, I, I'm so happy to talk about it. Yeah, and we're going to get into it, but pretty much just like once uh, once you asked, I was like, can I pass up the opportunity to have a British-born uh, guest on an episode guest starring John Cleese? I don't think I can. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the episode in a moment, but before that, it's your first time on the show, so we have to ask how, when, and you know, why did Cheers come into your life, and why did you want to be on the show? Like a few people, I actually started as a fan of Frasier um, before I got into Cheers, um, and it started, believe it or not, with the Damon Wayne starring show, My Wife and Kids. Um, I used to watch that on the channel Trouble. And there's an episode, I can't remember it, but he makes a comment uh, when he thinks someone said something really smart. That's like the jokes they have on Frasier. So in my head, I'm like, <laughs> oh, Frasier's a show for smart people. As a kid, I thought I was a very smart person. I've, I've, I've learned that that's not the truth now, but that's besides the point. So that's <laughs> at the back of my head. I seem to think I was at my grandparents' house um, during the, uh, the Ashes. I don't know if you're aware of that. Very, very big for the sport of cricket. And it ended early, so Channel 4 didn't know what to do. They just put some Frasier on. I decided to watch it and I'm hooked from there. Um, many years later, um, my dad just mentions that this, that Cheers is a, sorry, that Frasier is a spin-off of Cheers. And I'm like, really? It's so different. And um, I watched it and I wasn't a fan. Because um, <laughs> at the time I was too, I was too young. Um, and then, you know, go forward. It's now the perfect show for me. I've worked in a bar. I've studied English as my degree at university. And I appreciate like how much the early ones are like one act plays. And, you know, it, I, it, they started showing it on Channel 4 again. I think I started watching from the 10th series onwards and I'm now catching up. And um, finally, um, your show, um, you had a guest on in the first series, um, uh, Nathaniel or Vera from yes. Council yep. of Geeks, who yep. are watching their videos and, what, um, and they mentioned the podcast. I'm like, oh, I like Cheers now. So I'm, I'm starting watching uh, the first series of Cheers because it goes on a loop on Channel 4 in the UK whilst listening to your show afterwards. So I'm like... Well, I've, I've got to try my luck, don't I? That's awesome. That's very, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I, the, the definitely unique. I don't think anybody's cheer story started with Damon Wayans of all people. There we go. That, that is that is quite the starting point. But I love that. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, um, Damon. 
yeah, obviously, uh, through that, you, you reached out to me. Uh, it was probably like a year and a half ago. Cause I, I, you definitely yeah, I think it was smart on you because this was a, this was a popular request. Uh, and, uh, we're going to get into it now. So folks, we are talking about the 21st episode of season five called Simon says this one is written by Peter Casey and David Lee directed by Jim Burroughs. And the original air date was Thursday, March 5th, 1987. Frazier's colleague, the renowned therapist specializing in marriage counseling, Dr. Simon Finch-Royce, played by John Cleese, stops by and agrees to counsel Sam and Diane before their wedding. After one session, Simon decrees that they are a terrible mismatch and should not marry. An angry Diane vows to marry Sam just to prove him wrong, only then considering that Simon's grim prognosis was a test of their fortitude. She and Sam go see Simon at his hotel, but he denies that it was a test, telling them he really thinks they're bad for each other. Dismayed, Sam and Diane return to Cheers, but Diane refuses to accept Simon's proclamation and drags Sam back to the hotel again. They interrupt Simon's dinner to give him the correct answers to his earlier tests, but he invalidates their responses and sends them off again. After a trip to the library to research, Diane drags Sam back yet again, this time getting Simon out of the shower. She pleads with him to change his mind and consider that their love is strong enough to overcome any obstacle. Simon refuses and sends them off. But of course, Sam and Diane come back one more time later that night, rousing Simon out of bed. Exhausted and desperate, Simon tells Diane that she and Sam will not only have a great marriage, but the most successful and enviable marriage in all of human history. Diane, hearing only what she wanted to hear and none of the subtext in Simon's new pronouncement, feels validated and victorious. Tom, what did you think about this episode? Obviously, uh, you wanted this one for a reason, so. Yes, I mean, um, I, I don't know if you heard, I was even laughing um, when you were reading uh, your your summary of the show. I just, I'm just picturing Diane's little face smiling after John Cleese has ranted at them. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, again, as you say, that's just not picking up on the subtext. It may also be just a little bit of, Shelley Long, how honoured she was to have a, a classic John Cleese rant directed at her. Um, but yeah, we, one should be so lucky to have John yeah. Cleese rant at you like that. You know, I think some of the the, the projects that he he does now, I don't think they're utilising him to his full capability. You know, if you if you get him, you get him to go on a, a mad uh, <laughs> a, a mad tirade. Um, you know, my introduction to, to, to him that, you know, that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to talk about it. You know, he's, um, you know, he's prolific. Um, I grew up my family watching things like Faulty Towers, um, probably before I was old enough to, <laughs> to have been shown it. Um, but yeah, just seeing someone like that in the world of Cheers, which it could have easily just not worked. Like, like you talked about the, the cast of... Um, uh, what sorry what's that uh, sent elsewhere um, yeah. but it, it just worked so well just his his dry reactions to uh, to the to the cast early um, early on was wonderful and then obviously that crescendo at the end it, it was so brilliant to, to re-watch again for this 
it's almost more of a John Cleese episode than a Cheers episode. Um, it yeah, almost it's it's kind of like well going back to season one where sometimes the plot of the story would involve somebody new coming into the bar and it kind of being their story with the cast kind of revolving around it and interacting with it. That's almost what this is. Um, it just has more to do with sort of the overarching meta plot of where Sam and Diane are. Absolutely. And also, you know, I know that you and a lot of guests have not been uh, the biggest fan of the the first half of series five, a little bit tired of the, the antics with Diane. And I kind of felt he was almost an audience surrogate at the very end. Oh, like... absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've actually I've read reviews that are, are basically like if you don't like Shelley Long in this season, you feel pretty much like John Cleese by the end of this episode. You like want to scream and throttle at her. It's 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 pretty. She's like she she's, uh, uh, yeah she she is relentless to, to the most yeah. annoying way in this one. Yeah, I, I like weirdly. I think my my exposure to John Cleese, I think it started with the movie A Fish Called Wanda. Um, with Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein, which I love it. One of my all-time favorite comedies. Um, I, I love that movie so much. And then really quickly, because I liked it so much, even at a young age where I probably maybe was too young to it, but even at a younger age, like I liked that movie so much that my, my dad introduced me to some of the Monty Python movies, like Holy Grail, uh, Life of Brian, everything like those. Um, and then we had... I think PBS at some point when I was yeah. a kid, PBS did a telethon and showed Faulty Towers episodes. Like they were running Faulty Towers while they were doing a, a telethon for some cause, some event. I don't know what yeah. it was. And my dad taped all of the Faulty Towers episodes and just like well, cut and cut great. out the cut out like the telethon thing where like they talked to like their celebrities or whatever guests they were promoting. So we had these old like VHS tapes of these Faulty Towers episodes. And eventually I checked these out. I was like, what is this? Like British comedy thing? Am I gonna get this? But I love that show so much. I loved John Cleese that I loved Manuel and and Pernilla Scales. Uh, yeah, I love the show. And then learning later on that Faulty Towers was one of the inspirations for Cheers. That Didn't just, actually know that. Yeah, that was it was kind of like the idea, like they kind of thought at one point um, during the development, like very early on, but they thought of kind of doing an American Faulty Towers where it was going to be set primarily in the bar of a hotel. Um, and there was going to be a little bit more interaction. And most of their stuff was going to be dealing with the people who come into the bar while they're getting checked in or checked out of the hotel or something like that. And that eventually changed direction. But yeah, so it, it's kind of funny I, that. Yeah, I have heard of uh, an attempt to do um, an American Faulty Towers because I've, I've watched quite a lot of like YouTube videos of obscure. Did you know about this? I seem to think it was going to be called Pain. I've heard Faulty Towers kind of as the inspiration for or for several things. I think it's one of those things that American comedy writers keep trying to go back to. They're like, well, let's let's capture the magic of this. And it's not as easy as they think. Uh, another another little thing, and, and we can start getting into the episode proper, but just before that, for for the trivia factor for Cliffy's, it's a little known fact. Uh, John Cleese won the 1987 Emmy Award uh, for for outstanding guest performer in a comedy series for this episode. So that is amazing. So basically, yep. he came in, <laughs> stole the show, and stole the award. Absolutely, that that, that rant at the end got, got him the Emmy Award. So 
the teaser for this episode is, is a nice little short and sweet one. Uh, Norm is finishing up beer and putting it off to the side. He's like, all right, time for me to go. And he mentions that he's going to his health club. Yes. And Frazier kind of incredulously is like, you belong to a health club? And Norm is like, yeah, Vera gave me a membership for my birthday. Pretty subtle, huh? <laughs> Which is an, I like the way Norm de- delivered that line. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I try to do 25 in the pool every day. Frazier's like, laps? And Norm goes, no, cannonballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was cute um it's uh again one that they could have put in uh in any episode really right uh, right just... and then once the episode starts uh woody is on the phone woody still has his arm in a cast uh his, his form and his thumb in a cast uh which we've talked about it for for several episodes now uh and he's he's really excited because he's getting a brand new mattress delivered and for his for his apartment and he's it's like he needs to decide what to do with his old mattress. He's like, any suggestions? Sam has a great line. He's like, well, mine is in the Smithsonian. That's <laughs> it. What I liked about that that scene as well, like just why Woody Harry, Harrelson is so great, is um, I, I don't know if it's deliberate. After he'd finished the phone call, he was like so excited. Um, he, he couldn't put the phone down properly. He had to like, <laughs> yeah. adjust that. I, I didn't know if that was like just a, a general thing that happened on set or, or, but it's like Woody is so excited to talk about his mattress that he can't <laughs> even put the phone down. I thought that's just wonderful. He's done that. He's done that in a few episodes where he struggles to pick the phone up. And I don't know if that's like a character thing or if Woody Harrelson just like there's like something like the physicality of the phone I don't know what that is but yeah he sometimes he that's an interesting little blocking thing where he seems to struggle with the phone but it fits the character so well yeah, yeah. continuing with that Woody finds out that Frazier is a Rhodes Scholar and <laughs> like as as a uh, a homonym or phonetically, Woody thinks a Rhodes Scholar is someone who studies the roads, as in the streets that paved on the ground. And he asks Fraser, "How come the stuff they use to cover potholes is darker than the rest of the road?" <laughs> and Fraser just uh, like trying trying to both dismiss it and humor him, and goes, "I don't know, Woody. I missed that day." And Woody kind of like smugly, and now it's come back to haunt you. <laughs> Again, that was just it's a great joke. I'll be completely honest. I, I looked up what a Rhodes Scholar was this morning. <laughs> so I realized, so it's, oh, okay, that makes sense because it's uh, an international thing for uh, for Oxford University, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yep. Yeah, but um, I just love the look on Fraser's face when Woody <laughs> said that, and he obviously just decided, you know what, the quickest thing to do is to humor him. And and I think like like the the look and the line that Woody gives you when he's like, and now it's come back to haunt you, like that that says so much. And like the look on Woody's face, like I can almost I can picture like Woody. Growing up, small farm town in Indiana, where you know uh, but they they will tell us a whole lot more about Hanover, Indiana, throughout the life of the show. But like that was probably some pearl of wisdom from his mom. Like you have to go to school every day. You miss one day, you never know how much you're going to be missing, or something like that. And Woody just feels so vindicated at this point. Like he he's actually like in this one instance, he's a little bit superior to Frazier because he played he like proved that all that education isn't worth anything if you don't apply it, if you're not really serious about it or something. Like there's just some like like he's like checkmate doc or something like that. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And that's yeah. they, he's just such a um an earnest character. He's so happy with himself. And like you mm. think if they um 
if you don't mind me going back to Frasier, the, the episode with Woody Harrelson in and the sort of realisation at the end, you know what, he's very happy with with himself and who he is. So, yeah, that it just it, it's such a perfect character moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next great, uh, great uh, moment with Woody comes actually after Simon comes in and he and Frasier start singing Three Little Maids from School Are We. <laughs> Uh, from the the Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs> opera, the Mikado, and once they're first singing together, Woody just kind of nods the same. He's like, "Do you want me to call the police?" <laughs> it was just such a funny moment, such a funny <laughs> delivery, and also I I really wasn't expecting that introduction. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think you've mentioned on previous episodes that did make me think of you know going forward to the Simpsons and sideshow Bob with uh, Kelsey Grammer doing a performance of that oh um, yeah I think yeah he, that's, he, that's right he, he goes through the whole like he does yeah. the whole hms pinafore and everything like he goes he goes through the whole gilbert sullivan catalog but i'm i'm trying to imagine from like a character standpoint of walking into a place that you've never been for perhaps even in a foreign land and just start singing on the off chance that the song will be picked up by a former college classmate. That's a, that's some confidence. So, are, are you saying you've you've never just gone into a situation and started singing before? Yeah, constantly. I, I walk into like bars and just start singing music of the night from from uh, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping somebody um, in this dive will recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could end up just being like the hero of the night. <laughs> they won't forget you, certainly. If I had the voice for it, I might try. <laughs> Sadly, they would call the police pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but before before uh, Simon actually arrives, uh, Diane, when she finds out that he was the, this classmate of uh, Frazier's, she starts going through his, his bona fides. And she's like, yeah. supposedly he helped Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Diane says he helped Chuck and die. And this sets up Carla's response. Speaking of that, why don't you up Chuck and die? Using the up Chuck as a, as a symbol yeah. for throwing up or vomiting. Now, I don't know if this was like a, a time thing of like the 80s or, or, or something like that. I've never heard Prince Charles referred to as Chuck in any other context except for this line of dialogue. Maybe that was a thing. Maybe I, I, I don't know. This could just be ignorance on my part. I've never heard him referred to as Chuck. So to me, this only made sense as a setup for Carla's wordplay for the word up Chuck. Am I like in the minority here? Like, have you heard Charles referred to as Chuck? Uh, again, I I thought well maybe that was um, that was a thing at the uh, at the time. So I'm 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 like you. Maybe it was just a a setup. Like I could I could imagine maybe the British tabloids at the time might have referred to him as Chuck for you know for the purposes of doing a a headline. But I you know I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag here. I wasn't I wasn't born when this episode aired, so yeah. I, I, I I've not heard it myself personally. All right, so uh, any any listeners, anybody older who might remember around this time period, was Prince Charles ever referred to as Chuck? Because I do not recall that in any any discussion of that, that them as a couple or tablets. Now their marriage was pretty much over by the time I was like old enough to like be aware of it, but I just I do not recall that. So 
Yeah, it's, it, it, it's retroactively been a bit of an indictment for uh, Simon, hasn't it? They were separated about five years after this episode <laughs> aired. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in 96, so obviously you couldn't help them. Uh, so Frazier asked Simon, he's like, how was your flight? He's like, oh, relatively crash-free. And I think it's like, <laughs> the, the first line is like, Okay, that's perfect, perfect sort of British, like like John Cleese line. This is who the character is. This is what we're going to get. I think that line itself kind of sets up who the yes. guy is and what we're going to be getting for the next 20 minutes. There's so many, there's so many good one-liners sort of mm. whilst he's in the, the bar. That's an excellent one. Um, I enjoy, sorry if you were about to mention this, uh, when Diane is being a little bit sycophantic. <laughs> and, and, oh, you, you look taller than you know, yeah. your book. And he just goes, the book's only that big. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. anyone, in, anyone in the bar could have said that line, but I don't think as well. Yeah, and they do kind of like they they meet everybody, and he kind of goes through the thing like uh, he he's what is it? He orders a beer. He's like, but he doesn't want any of that weak American beer. Says, give me a little something with hair on it. And Carla <laughs> pops up like a magical sprite, just like yeah. right next to him. And she's like, here I am. And she's like, are you married? And he's like, yes, I am quite happily. And she's like, oh, too bad. You could have been my first Englishman. And then she's like, no, wait, there was that one other guy, but he was so white. I kept losing him in the sheets. And she walks <laughs> off and Simon is like legit impressed by her. Yes. He's like kind of like smiling despite himself. And he asked me, Frazier, like, do we know her? Yeah. It's like, that's, that's, I like that. What did he say? He said, like, have a. Have her scrubbed and scrubbed. sent to my tent. Yeah. That's fantastic. As I say, there's just joke after joke after joke. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, like even like Norm comes up and he's like, "Yeah, like, I was like, I, I gotta say, my wife is a big fan of yours. She reads all your books. He's like, have they helped you? Like, well, they helped me because it gives her something to do in bed." Um, and then it's like Norm actually has like a follow-up question when Fraser's like, "Oh, come on, Simon, he's he's not here for that. Let's go talk." And Diane, yeah, invites herself to sit with Fraser and Simon. Um, so she kind of inserts herself in their, their drinks um, and she asks if he would have a session with Sam and Diane before their wedding and Frazier's like come on this isn't what he's here for but he admits to being a workaholic and he's like sure I'll do it for you he's like he's like it'll be nice to it'll be nice to work on a couple that's not so close to like devastation or something like that um, and, and Frazier Frazier has his line he's like he'll pay for the session as a wedding gift and I like he's like I was going to give you the gravy boat but I think our relationship transcends your <laughs> crockery <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I love um the bit you know where he's uh saying now don't don't dare insult me by by <laughs> you know undercharging me yeah. uh, I, w- I wouldn't dream of it like <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like he's like he's like don't don't try to like give me that 40 percent uh therapist discount that we have in the united states and he's I'm like no of insulting you yeah and it, it comes out later on he's like yes. how much how much should i put in the check he's like fifteen hundred dollars like wow Frazier. he wasn't counting on that but uh, um, and also, that sets that sets some certain things up later on. Later on, yeah, <laughs> Frazier's actions later on, yeah. Um, and the the last person in the bar who gets the the interaction with Simon is Cliff, who of course is just yammering on and on about America's superior military power and how <laughs> if, you know England ever needs to be bailed out in their war with Argentina and everything. And Simon's just looking at him like, yeah, one of these guys, I, I yeah. I'm just 
you know, sit here and wait this one out. And Norm comes to his rescue. He goes, Cliffy, there's somebody over here who thinks you don't know anything about photosynthesis. <laughs> and I love Cliff's response because it's like genuinely offended. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. who? He's like, he's like, who dares well, say that? It was brilliant. It was so brilliant. And I've just written down in my notes here, Simon's face when talking to Cliff. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, probably best not to get into a, a conversation about, uh, yeah. you know, what war, you know, that uh, the British and the Americans have got involved in, especially <laughs> after this episode aired. But yeah, yeah, just you clearly uh, was yeah. not enjoying that conversation. <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. One real criticism I have, and I think this does affect you as a whole, that Guinness that was poured for him looked absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> There was, there was, when was that poured? There was no head. And then later on, we see a couple of uh, uh, beers that Carl has poured that are more, that are more head than beer. I, I, I audibly said, you can tell I used to work at a bar. When she go, she rose to walk away. I'm like, you can't present those to customers. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a running gag about how bad yeah. they are pouring beer. Yeah. And maybe, Maybe it's just like a stylistic thing, like the the idea of like having like an inch or more of head on it just looks nice, and it kind of like it gives the audience like a feeling of like yes, that's a, clearly a beer or something like that. There's kind of like a a visual component to it that it, like the head makes it look more complete. I I don't know, I can't understand it, but yeah, sometimes they're like yeah, I, I think you're right. Like Carla pours one that's like seventy five percent foam. And it's like, if you gave that to a customer, they would say, take yeah. this back. Or if it was Norm, Norm would say, give me another one free and I'll just keep this one and drink it when the, when the head dies down. I'll still drink it, but I'm not oh, paying yeah. for this one. <laughs> I, I've served plenty of those in my time. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't, for, for all of their virtues, I can't say that the cast ever really managed pouring a good looking beer. But. <laughs> we'll forgive them. Right. Um, although you you did mention, yeah, the like Simon gets a Guinness, uh, Fraser orders it for him, and there aren't a whole lot of times when they when they mention name brand beers. No, it's, you're they're, right. They're pretty much just generic beers. I'm trying to. I think they've mentioned Miller once or twice. Yeah, sometimes like in context, but I I don't think it's like necessarily like when they are ordering or something. Maybe maybe occasionally, like I bet. God, I bet I could count on one hand, maybe two, the number of times when like a name brand beer comes up when they're ordering or something. Yeah, I think you're right. It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, because who knows, like if they're like what NBC might have had sponsorship deals with any of these things. But yeah, anyway, so Simon takes Sam and Diane back into Sam's office and he's going to give them counsel. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like, now, usually we start off with, you know, because he's used to being a marriage counselor. So he's like, usually at this point, the wife would tell him how much oh, what a loathsome, you know, bastard the husband is and, how, <laughs> and the husband would talk about what you know she's an adulterous trollop or something like that and they would hate each other he's like but as you're only engaged we'll just have to look forward to that part <laughs> that was excellent that he's was like so, so let's so kind of like we get into this thing and diane like almost gives him like applause and like stands up and just says you are the wisest man i know <laughs> and so, and so I'm like almost like grabbing his mustache is like high praise indeed yeah he's like that delivery was spot on. That was that was very close to my to my uh, runner to uh, one of my home runs. Yeah, but I praise indeed. <laughs> my my um my my runner up home run is is coming up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then Diane starts telling her story. She begins, it's like, they say you don't have prenatal memories. So, of <laughs> course, like, just continuing the truth, like, even going back to, like, when they were in court, uh, when they actually got engaged, when she's telling the judge, like, the whole story of their relationship. He's like, I'm trying to imagine what the short version is. Like, she goes back to all the way telling her whole life story. And, like, later on, it'll come back when, like, Sam starts talking about this baseball game. And Simon's like, and she's like, he's not interested in that. And Sam goes, if you can go back to the womb, I can go back to the damn Orioles doubleheader. <laughs> yes, I thought that was, that was a really good response because, yeah. uh, you know, in, in some sitcoms, like, the joke would just be that she's uh, shutting down. But, no, he's like, because they're both as, you know, headstrong as each other. So I exactly. like that. I really um, like as well. He's like Simon is so fascinated by Sam's like stories. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. we we fast forward. He's like, so these women would just be outside your locker room waiting for you at every scene. He's like, oh yeah, great. <laughs> but the one before that, when we fast forward through Diane's story, like she and like Sam is laying on the couch almost asleep. Like she's probably just been like talking for a whole hour about her entire life story, and Simon just looks at her and goes. You know, my wife has a skirt very similar to that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, there's one bit, actually, that, like, this is not, like, a, a, a comedy bit um, where, well, it's still funny when he says that he's divorced and Sam's like, hang, hang on a minute, you're this, you know, marriage uh, expert that's been divorced. And he talks about, um, you know, uh, we... we you know, we learn through our failures. Like, um, I actually think that that there is some merit to that. Maybe not necessarily in in marriage, um, but like, yeah, I do think we learn from our failures. Um, this is probably a weird reference. I don't think you've had this on your your show. Um, I, I sometimes watch uh, RuPaul's Drag Race with my wife, and one of the queens, Evie Oddly, uh, that we, uh, in one of the, the challenges, they had to do speeches, like you'd say at the end of high school. And that was the point. Uh, you know, you learn more from your face. Sure. Fate. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's a good point. So no, no jokes there. I just thought, you know, there was a kernel of truth in, 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 in what he said. Yeah, I, I definitely think Simon's choice is valid. I just think at that point, Sam wants to get out of there so bad. He doesn't like this idea. It's clear from oh, the beginning. Absolutely. Like and he, like he even says it. He's like, we're not, we're not, we're not having any trouble. We're not having marriage troubles. Why do you want to talk to this guy? And for Diane, it's not about counseling. We'll get to this at the end. But for Diane, it's all about the validation. She needs somebody of Simon's credentials to say, yes, you should get married. You are right, despite what everybody in your life tells you, despite maybe what your own mind and instincts are telling you, you two should get married. Diane needs that. Yeah, that's definitely. why. That's why she's so aggressive in getting yeah. his his blessing of their marriage. But Sam, he doesn't care about any of this. He's like, this is a waste of time. He's like, we're not in trouble. He, and he even says later on, none of nobody in our none of our friends think we should get married to. So of course, when when he finds out that Simon is engaged, she's like, well, this guy, why, what do we like? This guy is no expert on on a healthy marriage if he got divorced. So why do we want his ideas anyway? So yeah, I think I think Sam was just looking for an excuse to discredit this so he could go back to work. Um, yeah, I definitely think you're right. And um, I've also think that um, going back to, you know, you were talking about Monty Python and those those films, um, 
I don't know if you if, feel free to disagree. Uh, Simon's delivery in in some of in some of this scene, especially um, when he's talking about the the honeymoon, is like the sex ed teacher in the <laughs> of life. Yes, oh, which yeah. is probably what uh, like one of the bits in that film that sticks out for me the most. I just thought it was so funny. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. I can I can actually hear it. The delivery, the, the sort of the cadence. I yep. I definitely hear it. And then, yeah, after they, he asks them the questions, they give them their answers. He's like, you two should not only get, not get married, you should never see each other again. And then, like, Sam is like, well, what's the problem? He's like, well, what if there were only one, but there are so many? And Sam is just very agreeable, like, oh, yeah, I see your point. He's like, doesn't even get into the details, but he's like, yeah, he just needed somebody to tell him, like, you shouldn't get married. And Sam's like, okay, yeah. And, like, he kind of, like, flipped on his opinion of the guy. Um, and they're like, well, what do we do? And he's like, well, consider yourselves lucky that you found out now. You probably saved yourself years or decades of pain and heartache. Cheerio. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that, that line, like the way he ends it with just the very punctual, almost, almost affable cheerio. Like that, that was very close to my favorite line of the episode. It's very good. Very good. And, oh. you know, uh, as you say, like, yeah, she's so determined to, um, to get some somebody to say that they're a good match that obviously leads into the uh second half of the episode right right because uh like you know after he after simon leaves and tells fraser it costs fifteen hundred dollars and then once they diane is like you know she's at first she's like the man is a quack and she hates him she refused it and then once she kind of gets this idea that it was all a test and she wants to go pursue him fraser is very much encouraging her he's like oh yeah yeah you've got to talk to him you've got to go like you know until you're satisfied with his diagnosis of course fraser wants to get his money's worth um which is funny because later on at the hotel simon is on the phone with his wife and he's like by the way i talked to that pompous twit fraser crane and i stuck him for fifteen hundred dollars that's fantastic, and just and just after um, Simon leaves, I believe Fraser calls him a pretentious, limey bastard. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> they clearly hate each other as much <laughs> as they pretend to like each other. Of course, of course. So Sam and Diane show up at the hotel. She thinks it was a test. He says it wasn't a test. He's like, "You two are an accident waiting to marry." Um, she says he's wrong. The like, even though they are two, how, how does she say? She's like. Even though they are two very different people, their parts mesh together perfectly. It says we have achieved symbiosis. Sam, of course, thinking she's talking about something else, says, "Well, not every time, but it's close." Oh, that is Chef's kiss. That is just an excellent, excellent Sam line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What did she say earlier? She's like, "Like, what? Is, what about like the idea that opposites attract?" And he goes, "Oh, the song oh. of the truly desperate." Yes, I wrote, yeah, I wrote that down, Song of the Truly Desperate. I thought that was really, really funny. Um, one thing I wanted to say about uh, about Sam in this episode, it's, a, it's you know, a, a really good time where he's uh, downplayed because the plot is kind of driven by other characters. He's along for the ride, uh, but he's kind of being fed up. Uh, it works so well and he you get some brilliant lines out of it i i like that they make him hungry for a good chunk of the episode because it adds to it fuels his impatience like because this this whole thing is really a battle between diane and and simon 
And it's a battle of like, who will be more, can she be more stubborn to the point that she breaks him? Uh, is really is really the conflict of this episode, and you're right. Sam is just being dragged along for it, but the fact that he's like hungry gives him something to do in the background. Like later on, when they come back, when Simon is eating, Sam is like, "Are you going to eat those crackers?" And Sam's like, "Yes, I am." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you know what that is? That is um, wonderful. I was mentioning to to my wife before I, I did this. Um, I I like the fact that Simon got to have his. Um, have his lunch because there's uh, not lunch sorry is is it's quite late his dinner yeah. um, because in so many sitcoms like someone's about to eat and then the shenanigans stop you from eating <laughs> right and that's like something that always upsets my wife if someone is hungry and doesn't get to eat um, <laughs> yeah. and she mentioned a sitcom called father ted have you ever seen it no I, i'm not sure of that one the uh, the creator of it, he's um, you know he's expressed some some unpopular opinions at the moment, uh, but I don't think that takes away from how funny it is. Uh, um, it's it's set in uh, in Ireland. I don't know if it counts as an Irish or a, a British show, uh, but there's a particular episode where one of the characters realizes he's very hungry, and and he just and every uh, every opportunity that he can eat he's not able to there's a point where a plate of chips is put in front of him and then <laughs> and then the titular father ted is like come on now we've got to go and just his little face as he's being taken away from his plate of chips oh yeah yeah that's but, a good um, that's a good comedy trope but yeah they they don't dwell out too long because no they, they go back to the bar one more time and then Frazier is like, no, you've got to go back to the hotel. Tell him how you feel. And he really presses them on the matter until they head out. And that's when Frazier like, 1500 bucks, my butt. Frazier Crane can play hardball too. Like, because yeah. I think Frazier knows exactly how exhausting yeah. treating Sam and Diane can be. Yes. He has counseled them both together and individually. And he is like, yeah, he's like, I, I know what I'm sending. It is like, yeah, like, he's like, Simon's going to stick me for that much money. I'm going to make him pay too by, yeah. by sending my best friends to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is my runner up uh, home run. Crane <laughs> can play hardball too. And yeah, just, and that turn, that, that's what's been so good about this episode. Like people are one way. And then as soon as someone's out of earshot, there's, they just turn on a dive. It's fantastic. It's so mm. funny. They go back, like when they interrupt his dinner, uh, there's actually a line there that I think is my home run, so I'm going to save that one. Um, but he, he kicks them out again. Later, they get him out of the shower, and like they, they're carrying these books because they went to the library, and the books really serve no purpose, but they're a nice little prop for the, them to interact with. Yes. Um, and Diane, like at this point, like gets to the point where she's almost crying, and she goes, "I don't know what we're supposed to say, but we're here fighting for our lives. Doesn't that count for something?" And Simon just no, no. <laughs> and like yeah. just shuts that down so hard yeah if, and, uh, i have a i have a suspicion of what your your homer might be so i, I won't say the line either <laughs> okay so um and and just for like credit to sam because he's honest too he doesn't want to be there and he doesn't know why diane cares so much what simon says because nobody thinks they should get married um, and finally, when Sam is able to pull her out, they leave Simon there, and he's just like, 
I've grown to hate them. And he like, <laughs> goes, off, goes off to bed. Um, and later, one last time, and that's when they come back and they actually wake him up from, from bed. And he's like, I wondered what was taking you so long. He doesn't even give them a chance to talk. As soon as he sees them, he's like, he does this, yeah, this like two minute monologue. And he's like, you two are perfect for each other. You are like the greatest couple. He's like, he declares that their marriage, he says it will be an epoch shattering success. He goes to the window and shouts, attention, ladies and gentlemen, you can stop getting married because Sam and Diane have done it to perfection. Um, he gets out his tape recorder and he's like, I, Simon Finch Royce, being of sound mind and body, to declare Sam and Diane will be married. If they if they fail, let me take my own life in the most disgusting way possible. And like you said, it's a, it's a typical John Cleese rant, so it ends with him screaming and going up in his inflection and spittle coming out of his mouth. And he's like, you... Yeah, just amazing. Like, I I don't know how you pick a favorite line from that two minute monologue. Um, you know, it's yeah. the definite bit of a Basil Fawlty showing there. There you uh, go. It's just, and it's just catharsis, isn't it, for people that have been fed up with their shenanigans? It's it, it was just fantastic uh, but what it made what really really made it for me I think we spoke at the start is just after all of that that twinkle in Diane's eye and yes her victory her victory yeah. and she just turns to Sam and just goes see so oh. smugly and it's like you heard him, but you only heard the words you wanted to hear. You got nothing else out of that. And it's like, again, like we, we've talked about it with my other guests on the show. Like Diane is so tunnel vision this yeah. season. And a lot of times it can be so damn annoying. It can make you hate the character. And if you were predisposed to not liking Diane, I don't think this one does much for you. But when it's done right, she's just so perfect. And like, you you love to hate her in this scene because it's like, oh my God, you broke John Cleese. And it's like, you just, she's just so smug in victory. And you're right, the, the twinkle in her eyes, like the entire performance is magical. It's it's so wonderful. Yeah. She, she's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, there's it's no accident that so many people come on the show are praising Shelley Long's performance. And like, it's, it's still a fantastic show after she's left, but there are definite times where I do miss a bit of Diane. Uh, yeah, my, my trivia things again, John Cleese won the Emmy for outstanding guest performer in 1987 for this episode. Uh, the song that they sing the three little mates from school are we is from the Gilbert and Sullivan opera, the Mikado, uh, for Norm's tab. He has three beers this time, uh, which brings him up to 469 for the series. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for employee of the week, it, there really wasn't a contest. I mean, you, you, I, you could make an argument for Diane, but as we said, Simon steals the show. <laughs> it's absolutely him. Absolutely. Like, uh, there was some brilliant, brilliant, like, Frasier moments. Like, yep. uh, as you said, <laughs> Frasier yep. can play hardball. But, yeah, absolutely. Employee of the week, Simon, hands down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, for the home run for, for me, it's, it's, I don't remember if it's like the second or third time they come to the hotel, but Diane is like, she thinks he's wrong. She thinks he's made a mistake. And she has Sam. She's like, don't you think he's capable of making a mistake? And Simon almost to himself is like, it's highly unlikely. Although I did let the two of you in. <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal. I don't know if this is cheating. My home run is just that rant i'm sorry oh yeah no 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 that's but that's like that that's just my home run for the episode that's it perfect that's perfectly understandable yeah and then my my runner-up was just cheerio just like that after he tells them that they shouldn't get married they shouldn't do it and they by by talking to him they've saved each other decades of pain and heartbreak cheerio (laughs) just like that's just the way he signs off on that one but i love it so yeah but though i think it's quite clear we've both found so many lines that we found so hilarious and so yeah memorable. yeah absolutely the, the whole episode the script is wonderful for this one yeah so uh well well tom thank you for uh for giving me an enjoyable morning to cut co- to talk about this episode and and revisit this one this was a lot yes, of fun. i hope you haven't got had to get up too early to talk to me no no not at all not at all the time change is fine um it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much absolutely um, absolutely yeah, and uh, if you if you if you want to have me back i've definitely got some some things to say about later episodes but i'm sure there's plenty of people that are happy to talk about uh, future episodes as well um well i don't want to typecast you but if you ever want to talk about the robin colcord character who's one of my favorites you know we can we can do something later on but yeah <laughs> Well, I, I'll have to. I, I, I'm still. I'm still in series seven. There was a bit where. Um, oh, wait till next year then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was like record. I was recording them on TV, very old school, um, mm-hmm. watching them. And there was a, a part where uh, I didn't have the, have them anymore. But now I've got Paramount Plus. They're all there, ready for me. Very so cool. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, I know I know you're not a podcaster, but uh, you did have some other things that you wanted to mention. So uh, take it away. What do you want to plug? So uh, my mother-in-law, Chris Malone, uh, is a novelist. She started writing relatively recently, and I really wanted to just uh, talk about her books. I'm hoping it's interesting to some people. If you're looking for something a bit different to read, you could try Chris Malone's hashtag Stop the Glitch and the sequel hashtag Isolate. Post-pandemic political thrillers involving alternative off-grid communities and an algorithm which disrupts the outcome of the 2024 general elections. Or if educational satire is to your taste, you could read Zaid or the school, sorry, uh, the school inspector calls, but who is the fool in the school? Chris's four books are available on Amazon and from Blackwell's online. And uh, my wife has done a forward for one of the books as well. So if that sounds interesting, it would be amazing if uh, you could get some of her uh, books out. And then if you do want to uh, get a bit more of an impression of me, uh, this December, I believe uh, it will be the saturday the 17th i'm going to be in uh sky sheffield's uh, charity pantomime of shrek um if you want uh, tickets uh you'll have to get in in contact uh with uh with myself um i am on i am on twitter and i i, I barely uh, I, I barely use it it's clements 1991 um so yeah if you're in the sheffield area you can see myself and you can see my friend 
Ben, who streams, and I want to make sure I get his name right. I do. Uh, I do apologise because I always, I always say it wrong. Uh, he streams under Superior underscore Trick. Um, so uh, he does things like Warzone. So uh, that that we are both going to be in a pantomime together, and he streams as well. Uh, so thank you so much for giving me my chance. No problem, no problem. That's very cool. So yeah, check out the uh, if you're in if you're in Sheffield in December, check that out, and check out the novels of Chris Malone. Those sound great. Um, Tom, again, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode, and to all of you out there listening, thank you for supporting Cheerscast and liking the show and sharing it on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. Sam, Diane, you two are perfect together. I'm sorry I made a mistake, but I now see that you are the most perfectly matched couple on the face of the earth. But why, why am I telling you this? Let's, let's share it with the rest of the world, shall we? <laughs> Hear this world! The rest of you can stop getting married now. It's been done to perfection. Envy them sofa, envy them chair, for you shall never be as cosy as they, for I guarantee that their marriage will be a total epoch-shattering success, and I stake my life on it! <laughs> Wait, let, let me put that on record. I, Dr. Simon Finch-Royce, being of sound mind, declare that Sam and Diane shall be together throughout all eternity, and if I am wrong, I hereby promise that I will take my own life in the most disgusting manner possible. <laughs> Here, take the tape. No, 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 take the whole machine. It's my wedding gift to you. To you, the most perfect couple since the dawn of time! <laughs> See? <laughs>